I went into the nursing home uh, and I was talking to the nurse and she was like, did you leave the door open? And I was like, yeah. And turned around and there's a woman in a Zimmer frame trying to escape. And there's a huge fight with like three of the nurses and she was really confused and it was really upset. And they were like, don't ever leave the door open. I was like, it's my first day. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fenterviews. I'm your host, Connor Finn. And on this week's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to the wonderful Michael Fry. Michael is a sketch comedian, impersonator, and all-around Twitter connoisseur. We chatted about Michael's whirlwind path into online fame, the hilarious part-time jobs that inspired his comedy characters, and the wonderfully chaotic world of Irish Twitter. Michael was such a hilarious guest to have on the show, and probably had some of the wildest stories I've heard so far yet in the series. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. So, without further ado, please enjoy this latest episode of Finterviews with the brilliant Michael Fry. Well, thanks so much and welcome to another episode of Finterviews. Michael, how's it going? Good, good, excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm in London. I'm back, arrived back on British soil there about two weeks ago. So uh, lucky, looking forward to kind of getting my life back, if that's even possible at the moment. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, um, how have you, how's everything been through lockdown? Um, because you've been, uh, I mean, you're probably one of those few people that um, when I was interviewing, I was like, oh, people are, you know, going to have so much more spare time in their hands. Like they're going to be able to chat away to people. You have been consistently kind of busy and putting out so much content over lockdown. That I was thinking this man's probably busier than ever, to be honest. Um, how, how's it all been anyways? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, I I suppose I'm probably one of the very few people who kind of benefited from this. You know what I mean? As in, like, uh, like people are online and on their phones more than ever, and like I just got these massive surges as soon as lockdown started because at the start everyone's kind of a bit giddy and everyone's in it together, and we were doing the the co video parties and and live tweeting stuff and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think I got a lot more because of that and I had like two fairly like large videos that went out I had that loose women one and I had uh the the protest one I think was the other massive one so I just got these huge like surges of people in um so I'm I'm up I think I'm up at 12,000 just from the start of lockdown which is mental um Jesus. so yeah I've yeah I've been talking to a lot of people and, and kind of working on different things so um trying to trying to make it as productive as possible yeah, and you're doing some charity work on the side by coming on to interviews. So, I mean, that's why I appreciate <laughs> you're a man of the people as well. Like, that's what we'll have to give to you. Um, obviously, we're talking about you're doing all these different videos that are getting blown up everywhere. As you said, a huge following has built over lockdown. Not that it wasn't already fucking astronomical beforehand. Like, for me, with all of like about 300 followers on any platform, I'm just astounded when people are so active on it. But for people that maybe don't know you, or what your kind of background is. Tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from, and yeah, like what you're kind of known for. Um, because I I always do some podcasts where I try to explain almost to the person what they do, and I find that it's just easier if they explain because um, you're very eclectic uh, with what... I, I couldn't even pinpoint out. I would say straight up like comedian sketch or impressionist but I think it varies I mean musician if anything that those falsettos that you hit with as well I mean <laughs> Jesus so yeah explain to the people that may not know your work what you do 
Uh, yeah, so I, I, I've been trying to figure out a way to describe myself because I think when you say comedian to people, they're always like, oh, tell me a joke or like, you know, they assume you're a stand-up comedian and then you have to be like, oh, not that kind of comedian and then you have to try and explain what you do. So, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a sketch comedian, I think is the, the best way to put it. So um, what I'm known for, I think, at, at the very start when I started doing the videos, I think what kind of got me to prominence if, if you want to use that word uh was the radio stuff so i would make fun of uh like news talk in, in in ireland and just kind of just have these ridiculous kind of little radio shows where the the name of the show is the same as the host's name and, and it just gets more ridiculous from there on in um and then i started doing just more impressions and things like that so i had a, a, a one i did like a michael d impression and i did uh like aiden gillen is one i do quite regularly as well and then I started doing uh, impressions of like an Irish mammy. So that was, that's another thing that's kind of crept up and become like one of the things I'm kind of known for at the moment. Like, so um, yeah, just, just various different kind of sketches and stuff. And I do like playing with music as well. As you mentioned there, I just kind of enjoy incorporating it in and, and being silly with it. So um, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm from Navin and County Meath originally. Um, and yeah, that's that's my background, I guess. Um, I just kind of fell into the, the content creating and stuff like that. I didn't do a degree in media or anything like that. It was just, I was literally just working for, I was working for Tourism Ireland, actually, and uh, the videos blew up. And then it was like, oh, shit, okay. I've always wanted to do this. So, like, why don't I go and do it? So that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, frig, yeah. You must have rolled it all into one there. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, but even the way that you're saying that, like, almost so off the hand, kind of like, oh, this just happened, this just happened. I think, like, the fact that you've, like, normalized it as well now, like, I think for somebody from the outside, when you start saying, oh, yeah, I just did, like, some, like, videos here, there, whatever, like this, there hasn't, like, I feel you look up Michael Fry and it is, like, it's show after show has been, like, something's been picked up from somewhere actually in my research i was trying to like you know try to find like the original stuff or like what it was like initially known for but it's honestly like there haven't you've managed to keep a real consistent kind of like like there's no real flat notes with a like most of your stuff i think it's probably to do with you're probably one of the most loyal twitter followings i've ever seen <laughs> like <laughs> maybe in one of them as well i mean i very much wasn't really aware of um you're kind of, I was new to Twitter and I wasn't really aware of, you know, of the kind of like Irish, like Twitter scene and all the banter and stuff like that was on it. And so much of it went over my head as well with a lot of political news because I wouldn't be political mm -hmm. really minded at all until, until um we, uh, yeah, as in Joe kind of said to herself then as well. Like, but that was like the only time I started engaging um with those kind of contents. And uh, yeah, I very quickly like found yourself, you know, coming in with a loop with like different people that I would follow or finding even people like going off your own like and uh it was yeah it's, it's it was quite it's quite intense like um but in the, in the best way possible if that makes sense yeah. <laughs> very much like I was coming back up home being like guys how do you not know this do you know what I mean like and here's me from Arma like <laughs> like but um yeah as you kind of mentioned um you started off with doing kind of radio like kind of piss takes um but 
And your background hasn't really been in this media thing, which funny enough, it seems to be me being a person that did study media. Um, mm. I learned very quickly that, yeah, anybody that um, really progresses on in it turns out to not have really had that background. Um, so it's it's interesting to see how people tend to fall into this different field. That's so eclectic. But um, kind of take us back to like, say the very first one, I feel like we, if you could kind of discuss about that, like when did you first get into like, comedy and creating these like videos and memes because doing it to the extent that you do it now like was it something that you'd always like kind of gravitated towards like would you have done it in your spare time or like had a passion for or did you have another path potentially in mind and it was just something that you came to naturally like um like yeah, I, I think I I wanted I did want to work in media and I kind of came out, I did a degree in uh, French and Spanish and kind of came out of my degree being like, OK, well, I don't want to do anything to do with that. Like, you know, it's just kind of I did it because I was good at it in school uh, and then kind of came out at the end being like, oh, well, I have a degree now. And it's like, right, that kind of qualifies you to do everything and also nothing at all. You know, languages is useful because you have you have a skill um, as in you, you can speak to other people or whatever, but then you just meet people who are, you know, like people come over from Spain or France all the time to Ireland who are bilingual anyway. So it's like, right, well, that's fucking useless. I can't do it like that. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, I wanted to gravitate towards media and that's, yeah, I, I think the tourism job was kind of near that. And I was, you know, I, the, my real role was really interesting up there. I worked on, you know, video projects and stuff like that. So, uh, like filming stuff like ice hockey games and basketball games, and we did a music video and all this sort of stuff. And we were just kind of behind the scenes organizing things. Um, um, was this in? Um, this is when you went up to Coleraine, was it that this happened? Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, first and foremost, I feel like that needs to be like stated right in the medium because I bring this up like so much. That's where I studied. And mm. literally, like, they're closing the campus down because they realize that there's, like, such little stuff happening up there. Like, that was where so much of the problem at media stuff was, like, for learning stuff. But, like, absolutely, you know, it's nowhere. So the fact that you're saying, oh, yeah, like, Tourism of Ireland just brought me up to Coleraine. Literally, the north coast of Ireland, if you don't have a car, you're fucked. Like, there's a bus that comes once an hour. Like <laughs> that, the... That's exactly it, Jay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, because I got the, got the call to say I got a placement and uh, they were like, Oh, we have a placement. And I was thinking, I was thinking, Oh great. You know, I thought I did really well for like, there's a job in like Denmark and there was one in uh, Vancouver that I really wanted. And then kind of maybe New York and London, I was kind of like, mm, maybe. Uh, and then they were like, well, you got a place. And I was like, where? And they were like, you're going to Coleraine. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. First off you say where <laughs> yeah you have to ask again <laughs> oh man as in yeah so i i got that and it was kind of like oh yeah it's cool rain but if you do a year in cool rain we'll send you to new york and i was like right that's a fair trade they're I like go if, and do that if you can survive cool rain for a year you'll survive yeah. new york yeah it was more of a test the limits kind of job <laughs> yeah well, that that was that was actually used against me that very line when I was leaving the whole thing because I I was talking to them about Coleraine and I was like, oh man, you know, I I I I don't know if I can stay here if you know what I mean because it was there is nothing up there and because I'd done the whole student thing, I was living with students again. I was just back in 
student mode and it was just very bizarre because I wasn't a student, but I was living in a house of students, but not actually part of anything or not. Do you know what I mean? Didn't have a car. I was very, 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 very bored and very isolated. So that's where like the kind of the videos and stuff like that came out of that kind of madness that I was in up there because it was like, <laughs> right, I come home in the evening and be like, oh, you know, I'll have an oven pizza and I'll watch the wire and then I'll just around on the nerd, you know, just mess with music or whatever. And that's how I figured out how to do the, the other voices on the, on the um, computer and stuff like that. Like if you like just kind of programming in different things and then realizing I could have a conversation with myself. So like, I don't regret going to Coleraine, uh, I, you know, because of everything it's kind of brought me, but yeah, it was, it was really difficult, um, you know, and I think I made the right decision by leaving. Um, and I, I don't think they, they sent someone up there, after me without a car without being from there originally because I think it was kind of just glaringly obvious when I left that they were like okay we probably shouldn't do that to people (laughs) you know so yeah yeah. that's that's insane like I mean just from as you said like even my first first experience going up there a lot of my friends went to big cities like Dublin or Edinburgh Manchester London and I remember saying even leaving school and uh Coleraine wasn't like advertised to us at all and um yeah literally when I said I was going to Coleraine even then like people were saying where is that and uh I mean center of the universe really like um but uh no it was uh it's it's quite a different experience I think especially if you've came from I say it's it's because it's it's because all I knew I didn't think it was as bad I think um but I'd say if you were coming from somewhere else where you'd already been, you know, that student environment and spit more stuff to do. Actually, there's anything to do really other than, you know, mm. go along the coastline um, or Kelly's. I don't know if you ever even went to like the biggest oh, club I in never the did Oh, I never did it. Cause I, I worked a nine to five Monday to Friday job. So there was no chance in hell of me going out midweek. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> like my, my flatmates did or whatever, but I, yeah, I never made it to Kelly's or whatever, but I did, I did that coastal walk every Sunday. That was because it's the only thing to do. I go to Morelli's for a fry and I go walk 10 <laughs> miles or something down the North coast. Like, but, oh God. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, but as you said, do you know what I mean? It's one of those things that probably if, you know, it probably put you in that situation where you end up having to create, you know, these characters and these kind of scenarios that in the end have kind of like launched you. So, I mean, here's me fucking like... <laughs> Sorry, it's just that he described that as if like the trauma and, you know, to cope, you created all these different characters. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I rely fully on it that, I mean um tragedy with timing is comedy do you know that kind of way yeah. like i think that's why everybody in ireland has such huge humor because it's kind of like, Ooh. like yeah. <laughs> especially just putting in um context for people obviously because this is a this is a podcast um mm-hmm. michael in his green screen behind him um i'm being stirred it's deep into my soul is uh arlene foster um Michelle O'Neill and um, I can't even remember his name anymore. I like literally have been yeah, like, rocker. yeah, it's like it's, it's Simon Coveney here as well. But, oh, uh, he's, the, he's behind yeah, me. yeah, yeah, just stuck it away. But that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I feel like even that like sense of humor, like it's something that um is very kind of treasured um uh, in my heart. Um, like just the very like it's very niche. I'd say like mm. so many other things, but um, yeah. 
that kind of leads me on to what my next point was going to be. I suppose you'd mentioned being put in these situations. Um, <laughs> they were so traumatizing. You had to deal with it somehow. <laughs> but I mean, um, what was the inspiration behind your comedy? Like, is there anyone in particular that influenced you? Other than, say, the people that you're impersonating, the ones that I'm thinking of is kind of like this Irish mommy, like, you know, that you became known for. And you said about, you know, doing like news talk or, you know, or different things like this, like, or, you know, girl, like, like it's the way that you name yourself after so many of the different things yeah. that you do. I think it's so iconic. But like, is there anything that like you had in the back of your mind or any mates or like what was it completely just off the spur of the moment that just tend to catch a bit of wind i i think that's just how i joke is that i would get i love getting a situation that's very strictly formatted like a radio show or like a job interviewer or like you know finding something that that you know the start middle and end to if you're having that conversation in real life but then adding in a really bizarre element uh and that's that's kind of how i construct most of my sketches i think like influence wise it's it's an interesting one because there's you know, talk to one of my friends about this. Um, and I, you know, I don't follow a lot of stand-up comedy, but I w- would have watched a lot of st- a sketch comedy when I was a kid, a lot of kind of animated comedy or whatever. Um, a lot of those things probably don't fly nowadays. And when you're a 13 year old boy, like family guy or little Britain and things like that, they're like the best things ever. Uh, and then you look back at them now and you just think, Jesus Christ, that's dreadful. You know, like the kind of, the kind of stuff that they did, but um, like Little Britain in particular, the reason I do the the naming at things after things is because of a joke in Little Britain. And it's just this kind of tiny off the cuff remark. Uh, it's with Lou and Andy. Obviously, there's loads of problems with that. But uh, Lou, Lou, Lou goes to an ice cream van and he's like, he just says the words. He's like, hello, Mr. Chalk Ice Seller. What kind of chalk ices are you selling today? And I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> so I love the idea of calling somebody selling chalk ices being called Mr. Chalk Ice Seller, like that kind of thing. Um, Another one I think for me that was really formative was Harry Hill's TV Burp. I don't even remember that. Um, but it used to be on before the X Factor on like Saturdays or whatever. Um, but he was really good at like taking stuff like EastEnders or like just really normal TV things and finding really bizarre things to just make fun of. Um, or like, you know, the stuff he did with like Owen Quigg was gas. Like that whole series was really funny. I remember just crying, laughing at all of that. Um, the, the stuff he did with... He had this ridiculous sketch with, um, so Bradley Branning had died in EastEnders and they were doing the aftermath and there was all these really sad scenes in EastEnders, but Harry Hill would then insert himself into them. So like, you know, the, the, it, you'd be in the funeral home and like Max, who was Bradley's dad, would go in and be like, oh, he might need his shoes. And then an actor who looks like Max would give Harry Hill the, like different <laughs> shoes and he'll just like, what? Like just do stupid stuff like that. Um, I, I really love that. Uh, so that's that's definitely... Harry Hill, kind of early sketch shows or whatever. And then just sort of kind of dry English humor, like, you know, Peep Show or The Thick of It or things like that. They're they're my favorite things. Yeah, I think you kind of, like, I think that's probably one of the things that made it so, like, kind of consumable. Like, and, like, that you're making, obviously, a lot of, like, the jokes that you're making are quite targeted and they're quite timely. Like, you're on the ball as soon as something kind of happens. But because I think, as you said, people, like, you know, around our age and like a lot of the Twitter kind of followings and stuff like that, they would have grown up with that same kind of like comedy. I said like Family Guy or I actually find that quite interesting that like a lot of your interests like come from this like British dry center humor because like I know like that's what I kind of like noticed so much of. But like when I think about like Irish Twitter and a lot of that kind of stuff, 
obviously you're able to bounce back like a lot of your things aren't just, you know, directly aimed at, you know, oh, this is so, you know, this is so me being Irish because it's Irish and this is a weird thing that is. I think because you're, you've spread yourself out so wide into such a big demographic, like that's what's got you on those like big like shows, say like, you know, loose whatever, like fucking, and the way that you're able to sift in all these different nuances is like it, it catches me off guard. I think one of the ones I have like noted down here is because um I was seeing all the politicians behind you, not not really, but on the green screen behind mm. you. Um, all that came into my mind, I was like, I was taken back to that video that you did when they were discussing the rotating tea shot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just you turning around on camera, like so stupid, but like properly tickles you, like. <laughs> Yeah. It's like just taking the obvious and making it like, you know, so stupid. <laughs> like Oh, there but, is. There's that there's that kind of tendency with me. It's like if I see a really obvious joke, I look at it and I'll be like, I'd better do it then. You know what I mean? Because like <laughs> I, I often just have this feeling like either someone else is gonna do it and they won't do it the way that I want to do it, or it won't be done. So I'm like, right, I have to indulge my stupidest thoughts and just go ahead and do it. And then they're the ones that often like do the best because everyone's like yeah it's a really obvious joke but it's like well done you got it first you know yeah way, so and i think twitter like especially like that's where i think most people would kind of know you from um you have to be so on the ball like my mindset like my comp like even my humor doesn't work that well i'll somebody somebody might say something and it'll be a couple of days before i think oh like and i'll be laughing to myself like in a group of people that's like silent and they'll be like, what's going on and it'll be happening in my head like the joke but for the fact that like yourself and other people on Twitter are so quick to the ball and so quick to make those, you know, jokes, everything. I was talking to um another kind of sketch comedian, Sean Burke, last week, and he was saying, oh, yeah. like, Twitter's one of his favourite things because people get their first, they get it with the funniest, most, like, weirdest takes on it. And also, it's the way that people are able to, like, literally drag up the most obscure, like, references from whatever. Like, it's, it's amazing to me because my mind does not work in that way. But, um, as you said, you kind of see it like an opportunity and then you, as soon as you get it out there, then it almost like everything blows up. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's years of practice that though. I mean, I've been on Twitter since I was, I think about 17, you know, and I'm 26 now. So it's, it's been a long time. So it's kind of, I've honed and it, it is that kind of thing of, cause you can see results straight away. You can, you can kind of quantify how good something is by likes and retweets or whatever. You then kind of tailor either subconsciously or whatever you tailor your content to your audience. And I think that's what's happened with me now is that I know how to write something for my audience who I've built over years and years and years. Um, so it's, it's kind of, I, 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 I do feel for you starting Twitter, if you know what I mean, because I've ever seen a tweet that was like, oh yeah, um, you know, trying to join Twitter now is like kind of trying to stop a mosh pit or like just walking into a mosh pit and being like, what's going on? Because like, no one knows what's happening at any given point. It's just, we've all been in it and it feels like we've been there forever, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, even like slowly getting into it, like within the last couple of months and stuff like that, like, I try to explain to my brother and everything, be like, oh, like, because me and my mate, um, Kiva, we'll often just like send our stuff, like each other, like, you know, in private messages, just because I'm never contributing to Twitter. I'm very much just consuming so much of the content. But um, like, I think that's what it is. Like, 
once you get in on it, you almost find yourself getting like sucked into it. Like the same with people that have had like, you know, TikTok over lockdown and stuff like this. It becomes one of those ones that like, it feels like it's very much in that age group as well, where your people can like constantly take the piss out of each other or like there's, it feels like they're, the bars go down. People are like able to just go straight in on something like so directly or if say something happens, like the joke is immediately made about them. Like, I think that's one of the things where you can't really hide on Twitter, like mm. because there's no editing as well. You feel like you're very much in on the conversation that's happening right there and then to whoever it's about. So, um, but yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, a mosh pit is probably a good analogy for it yeah. <laughs> because I myself can never um, survive mosh pits. So, um, I mean, what yeah. I love about Twitter is the kind of, it's the community aspect of it. So, I mean, you, you, I love talking... you say it as a community and I'm saying it as like a hellfire that like, yeah, you know that's, what I mean? <laughs> that's the thing. When people say like they hate the internet or they hate Twitter and stuff like that, my question is always like, who are you following? Or like, you know, you, you, the, your only interaction with Twitter a lot of the time if you're not on it is seeing what people have done in the news and you hear about pylons and people being cancelled and stuff like that and obviously like because you can't report you know good things that happen on Twitter do you know what I mean unless it's kind of like a, an odd news article or whatever but like I mean I've met some of my best friends on it uh it's it's great for meeting people and stuff like that because when you meet them you already know how they think and you know their kind of best thoughts and things like that so like I yeah, I, I, I like. I remember uh, talking to to Paddy, who we used to work with, and Joe, and he was talking about my following on Twitter, and he was saying like how unusual it was that I didn't get any abuse, and he was just kind of like that. It's really bizarre, like the kind of love you get from people when you know if you talk to anyone else about Twitter, you talk about you know talk to your parents about Twitter or whatever. All I know is about people getting abuse and all that kind of stuff. So. I'm I I think I've a very kind of atypical Twitter experience, but it's that kind of nice community thing where it's like the best of the internet and i've kind of curated my feed and the people i follow you know to match that yeah yeah exactly i mean but now that you say that like i mean if you if if you say if you mess up a video geez pitchforks i mean that that's what would be <laughs> happening <laughs> but um no um like yeah i suppose the next kind of part that i was going to talk about was Okay, before this career of content creation and say like blowing up online, um, maybe tell us a little bit about, I think it's worthwhile bringing people back to their, you know, humble, humble, you know, surroundings, their roots really, and what made them into the people they are today. Um, I like to call it character building because that's what I got told when I did the, like the weirdest, like I did, I did a lot of weird jobs growing up and I feel like it kind of prepares you for life in a lot of different ways. Um, out of this area of making silly videos and doing these impressions, um, did you have any particular standout, you know, jobs that you might have done growing up that you feel, I mean, it even says in your Twitter bio, like, you know, deli counter, like, is it for the Irish people? I, I probably butchered that, but like, did you ever work in a deli? Like, no, that's from that's from a Michael D. Higgins sketch where he wants to be, he describes himself as the deli counter for the Irish people or whatever. Uh, so that's where that comes from. I used to deliver to a lot of delis. So I was actually a delivery boy for about four or five years in college. Uh, so like the, the year before I started college and then all the way through, I worked for uh, Cash and Carry. And uh, yeah, my my experience of that was 
bizarre. You know, I, it was a very boring job if you were inside the warehouse. But um, when I started, I was kind of put outside the warehouse uh, with this man uh, called Keith, who's who's still around. I don't think he's on the internet, so he probably won't hear this. But uh, he uh, was just not well, just not a very well man at all. Um, had kind of a lot of delusions about uh, he had a fake wife um and stuff like that he was telling me about this woman called sharon or whatever that he was uh you know she could wire a satellite one hand she was a champion swimmer uh she had a new car every week she worked in the bank all this sort of stuff and he had like a picture of sharon in the truck and it wasn't her at all and like he'd make up the kids he had every so often or whatever and he was just just a very very troubled human being um as in like didn't have you know, was an alcoholic, kind of didn't pay his bills or whatever, and uh, kind of just ate whatever was given to him. So there was one day we delivered to this other warehouse and he came in and he was like, oh, I fucking love cheese. And he opened this catering block of cheese and just bit into it. Uh, and then there was another day that there was like, uh, he came in and he'd like, he had a Chinese with him and he put it in the microwave. And we we're like, oh, did you have a Chinese last night? He's like, no, someone left this on my wall. And we were like, oh, Keith, what are you doing? So, um, <laughs> Keith, what are you like? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not the chow mein, Keith, honestly. Yeah. I don't know, sorry, why I'm going with that. Brandon, but, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like, yeah, I mean, similar to yourself, I mean, just the name Keith, for some reason, brings out like, Austin Powers for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, no, there's no need for that. Um, but yeah, so... So probably a lot of, yeah, I'd say that that would probably inform a lot of your humour, especially <laughs> if you're putting to scenarios like that for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we delivered to like all these kind of rural shops as well. So it wasn't like, because the larger cash and carriers like Spar or, you know, whoever owns Spar, whoever owns kind of uh, Centra or whatever, they only deal with Centras, whereas we dealt with independent retailers and shops and stuff like that. So you meet some very bizarre people. I mean, my, my first day we were in Kells, and this, which is in Meath or whatever, and this this man came over to us and we were delivered to his shop. We're about to go to the next place, which was a nursing home. And he um, was like, lads, will you get rid of this cat? He's been annoying me all day. And he just threw a cat into the into the, the truck. And we were there, like, myself, Keith, and this cat. The cat was like, like very calm, but also very puzzled. So we're all just staring at each other for ages. And Keith was like, right, we'll drive him to the nursing home and we'll let him out. And I was like, okay. So he drove off and the, the cat was on the dashboard and he was like, mind he doesn't fall off. So I was kind of like, I don't know anything about cats either. I wasn't a, an animal person growing up. So I just kind of like put my hand on the cat's chest and the cat was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, looking at each other being like, okay. So we let cats the are home. having a very bonding experience right now. Both fearful, don't know where it's really happening. You're just, you've both have said you've been chucked in a truck, not really knowing what's going on. Like That's exactly <laughs> yeah, there was a real kind of solidarity between me and this guy. It was kind of like, okay, I don't know what's happening. You don't know what's happening, but we have to trust each other to get out of this, you know? Um, so we let him out of the nursing home. We got out of the nursing home. I went into the nursing home uh, and I was talking to the nurse and she was like, did you leave the door open? And I was like, yeah. And turned around and there's a woman in a Zimmer frame trying to escape. And there's a huge fight with like three of the nurses and she was really confused and it was really upset. And they were like, don't ever leave the door open. I was like, it's my first day. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> so there was, there was loads of days like that. It was just one of those. And like what I loved about, I didn't love the job at all. I don't think it really helped that much. I, you know, you talk about building character or whatever. I, I think I just survived it and that was it. 
but it kind of showed me just how odd Irish people are and how, how odd small towns are and stuff like that. So like, I think it helped in some way with, with what I do, you know? Yeah. I think it gives you a perspective that, um, you, you you won't really often, you know, you won't get this perspective unless you're literally thrown into it. I mean, as you let genuinely were. Um, but that's what I kind of always relate back to. I think that's why I always ask everybody, like, what odd do- jobs have done? Because it's so interesting to find out, you know, <laughs> just the weird shit that, like, has happened. That it's until you, like, start remembering it, you're like, oh, that's probably quite informative to, like, why this happened. Like, I remember so many, like, the things that happened to me was through when I was waitering um, in this wee cafe in Armagh and like at everything from nobody told me one day there was um, a deaf society came in and I had to deal with that maybe in like a really like awkward like 17 yeah. year old and um, that was an experience by 30 deaf people me trying to take orders like turkey or ham and like also the mm. person that was there was there to kind of help him out and work with me was partially blind to put into perspective and there's things like that that you can't write you know yeah. um but when you live through them um yeah it, it gives you a bit of perspective yeah but yeah um, <laughs> so I, I also i had a really weird job leaving college as well i i uh the first job i got out of college i worked for ancestry.com so that's like that's a genealogy website, right? So the kinds of people who call into a genealogy website are like, do you know what I mean? It is I like don't most of them, but tell me more. Most of them really nice people, kind of older people who might know how to use computers and stuff like that. That's fine. And then you have people who are like, I think I'm related to Jesus, or you have people who uh, say the Titanic was a hoax, or just this I remember having this guy and I was like trying to find his account. And he was like, oh, it might be under my horse's name. I said, why do you have a, why have you several accounts? First of all, why do you have one under your horse's name? Come on, man. Like, you know, kind of like, insanity. So. Yeah. I, I'm so glad I've asked you that question. That was not what I was <laughs> expecting at all. That's probably the most eclectic one. Like, I mean, I've had some other ones that have like, weren't mm. we've seen Joe before, where like Rory um, Cashman was talking about like people shitting in cinemas. Yeah. Justine was talking about like, being like getting like told how to handle like bombs like code words and mcdonald's um uh, but uh yeah i've i've never got those ones before like throwing cats um people trying to escape like old people's homes or yeah or like yeah use my oh it's probably under my horse's name it's under yeah. sugar yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i suppose oh god like Going off, I, I don't, it's not even going off from that. I don't know where I'm really going with these anymore. That's, that's throwing me off. I, I, I want to just find out about <laughs> all the fucking like characters that you've met. But, um, tell us anyway, um, what does an average day look like for yourself? Is there ever an average day or any day the same? Like, cause I know from that kind of sketch, you know, comedy routines and different things that you've done, it's so variable. Like here you're doing, you know, a chat with me now, but, I know that you're on radio all the time and you're on different wee bit, like bits and pieces. I was about to say wee bits and pieces are just because, you know, it's like almost like a connective for like anybody from up north. It's like, oh, we here, we that. But they're not we, they're huge. Um, But is there any day the same for you? You've said that you kind of, you've got used to this writing. Is it kind of, you go on Twitter and see what will be my content or like, how does it work for you? 
Yeah, I, I, I literally just live on Twitter. So if I have a spare moment, I mean, like people are asking or you, you get older people being like, oh, why do you tweet all your thoughts? Or, you know, I remember talking to my dad once about the election and how people after they voted put it up on Facebook that they voted. And he was like, oh, well, what a waste of time that is. And it's like, well, no, that takes two seconds. And like, that's what Twitter is for me. So like where other people would probably just have a blank space, say they're sitting on the bus or say they're just like, either they're just woken up or whatever. That is, that's Twitter for me and that's where I get all my news and stuff like that. So it is just that kind of rolling and there's always something on there. And then if something happens, like for example, like last week, the whole Phil Hogan thing, that sort of stuff, it is brilliant. It's just the funniest thing ever for a few hours, you know, and I, it, I don't know, it's, it's a, just a permanent source of entertainment for me. But in terms of like a day-to-day, like I have a full-time job, but obviously like in my spare time, because nobody really has a social life anymore, in the evenings, I'll be like, oh, I'll mess with some music or I'll mess with this thing or I'll, I'll try and do a sketch or I'll, you know, I, I'm i writing some stuff at the moment with another two guys kind of just, just doing sketches and stuff like that. We're kind of going to release like an audio kind of podcast kind of thing next month. Um, so that's exciting. So I've kind of just been working on different projects over the last while. Um, but like my day to day is is normally pretty much the same every day. It's just depending on what I do in the evening. <laughs> I love that. Like, I was expecting something to be like, oh, I'm just like, go from this to this. But it's very much like pink in the breeze. Like, what are we going to do today? Yeah. <laughs> go take <laughs> over the world. Much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, as you said, like so many of these things that have came off the back from, you know, you doing, you know, this thing, like making these videos that you never probably envisioned, like something that you wanted to do. But obviously, I mean, it took you to go to, you know, the cold brain i mean to you know fuel this kind of creativity um has there been any major standout moments that have came kind of off the back of your comedy that you never thought would happen one of mine that like just whenever i like was doing my research and obviously you know find out a bit more about yourself because as i said like like we met very briefly before but um that was literally just for me kind of start to get to know about twitter and like you know with different places of work like joe and stuff like this um, but when I seen that you literally had, you know, like, like big dirty Fridays, like you literally <laughs> had a pest tech news show. Like to me, I was like, if there ever gets to a point in my life where I like, you're being known for, you know, your character, not like, you know, people are wanting you on it for you rather than what you can bring to, you know, I think that's where I'm like, would love to get to someday where, I would just love people to, you know, take me on board for the sake of me being me rather than, you know, X, Y, Z. Like, you know, you have to really like prove yourself. Like, ha- was that maybe one of the highlights? Or I say you've done so much since. Like, is there anything that you've been like looking back on and said, holy shit, did that actually happen to me? Yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe was great because uh, like they took a punt on me, if you know what I mean. As in like, we'll, we'll get this guy in. And like at, at the time, I I don't think I'd ever used an iPhone before. <laughs> they brought me in <laughs> to do social and stuff like that. So there was loads of things I got to do with them that I, I would never get elsewhere or whatever. So Big Dirty Fridays, we did two episodes, like it wasn't amazing, but it was a brilliant experience in terms of like how to write stuff, you know, working with other people, working with Gary, who was fantastic on graphics and stuff like that. 
Uh, and then the North Awaits, the podcast I did about Game of Thrones was like, that was like dream job level kind of stuff. As in, they, I got to go to the premiere, you know, I got to see all the actors and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then just every week, just putting stuff out and people being like, oh, I really love that. Or we listened to that in the car on the way to here, that kind of thing. Like, that was brilliant. And then uh, I think maybe meeting Mario Rosenstock was a big one as well in that. Uh, so we we had him in for an interview or whatever. And then I was invited onto his radio show as a panelist or whatever. Uh, and this is a guy like that myself, my brother really loved when we were kids and stuff like that, who was like the best at like impressions, like Ireland's impression man, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And for him to be like, he was like, oh yeah, I really like your stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> Just like, this is so weird, you know? Um. So there's been those kind of moments and then stuff on Twitter as well. When you have, you know, some of your favorite actors or uh, comedians or whatever, seeing your stuff or like, you know, I've I, I, like David O'Doherty replies to me every so often and I'm kind of like, this is so weird that that would happen. <laughs> or do you know, like I, I'm, yeah. Or even Denise Welsh retweeting something or Denise Welsh follows me on Twitter, which I think is bizarre. So like, do you know what I mean? I've gone far and above, you know, what I ever thought was kind of, oh yeah normal or okay that kind of way it's kind of just yeah it's just a series of increasingly more and more weird and amazing moments like over the last while so like the last two three years have been absolutely amazing for that kind of stuff yeah i mean as you said like twitter like gives you that opportunity as well to connect with people that like you feel like are so unattainable but like i mean when you've taken over Anya with more twitter followers i mean that's um <laughs> that's a staple in itself i mean that's a pretty grandstand to be like yeah i've i think it probably legitimizes myself enough now every time that i take a spin down especially over summer i've been going down kind of docky direction um my friend without hesitation will point out Anya's house every single time yeah um and every single time i'm like yeah, Michael, Michael, Michael has more followers though. <laughs> like it's one of those like funny things. Save for Tate and T Shock. Save like those little like bits of humor. I think like that's why I really wanted to have you on the show because there's so many of those wee nuggets of like gold that like just keep in your brain until you're like laying there and then I'll be like late night go like. <laughs> but no, that's insane. Like, as you said, there's it's it's mad that that's kind of your progression that came on from this. You've been able to do so many crazy things. Um, but tell us this, like you've said you're obviously doing a bit of writing and stuff now, and, um, you're going to be doing like audio kind of podcasts you, you were saying, but like, what does the future hold for you altogether in general? Like, is there a five-year plan or is there any big goals that you're like, this is what I really want to get to? Like, do you see, yourself kind of going down more traditional route of broadcast kind of that way do you see yourself becoming an actual radio presenter mm. <laughs> and, and then you can just like play it off all the time or is there any kind of big you know bucket list things that you're like this is where I want to be yeah I, I think the, throughout lockdown and doing the the audio stuff I actually really enjoyed the kind of the voice acting element and even when I was in Joe I loved acting and I love kind of being different people and stuff like that so I think that's probably the route I'm going to go down rather than appearing as myself. Because uh, I've done I've done panel shows and I've done that kind of stuff. I think I love writing and I love pretending to be different people. And I love kind of performing, not as Michael Fry, but as whoever it is I'm playing. So I think future for me, I'm probably going to try and seek out projects like that. Um, so I'd, I'd love to appear in a sitcom or something like that. If I if I could appear in the next version of Peep Show or the next, you know, that kind of thing. That that that's like the dream. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't make five year or 10 year plans or whatever. Yeah. Cause I, I, even just the last five years, like say I, I go back five years, I wouldn't be able to predict what's happened now, you know? So it's kind of like, and, and the world changes and technology changes and all that kind of stuff. There could be a platform that I blow up on, you know, that even bigger than Twitter or whatever. Cause like TikTok's only recent the last two or three years. So it's kind of like, yeah, I try not to make plans, but just kind of do things that I feel like I want to do. And then, you know, that, that seems to work for me so far. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's kind of, but I think that's the best way to go around it. Like, I mean, say like you're following your passion which is probably like the best advice you can give to anybody that's looking to go down this route because i mean sure anything can happen a fucking pandemic can hit like mm. trump can become president like do you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like there can be a rotating tea shot and shit like that like do you know what i mean i feel like if anything like this will this will be a year that gets people to realize as you said in lockdown what they really want to do and where they're really going to go to but um I've actually, speaking of which, um, from lockdown, obviously I've started off this podcast. I've been kind of trying to engage with my followers a bit more, a bit like yourself. I've been taken mm. off, off your own cuff. Um, but I did actually put out some questions onto uh, my Instagram and uh, requested if anybody wants to give you a question, they could get in touch and they could, you know, really get to ask Michael all, anything they wanted. So I yeah. have two questions here. Um from some very special followers. Um, so uh, be prepared uh, for these. Um, I don't want to say, like, take a deep breath. You know, yeah, I'd okay. say get yourself <laughs> get yourself mentally prepared for this because this is, it's been quite light so far, but this is pretty hard-hitting. So, um, okay. yeah, okay. So um, I just thought that's worth, you know, giving you a bit of pre-warning. So this one comes from um, a lovely, uh, a lovely girl, um, you may know called Justine Stafford. Uh, oh, yeah. just, <laughs> see, that's what you got to reel them in first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this one um, comes in uh, as who'd win in a fight, um, Paddy or Gary? Oh, okay. That's an interesting, mm. that's an, I don't know. I don't know. So I think Paddy has the height advantage. <laughs> so I think, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but see, Gary's very good with cars and stuff like that. So if they're allowed <laughs> weapons, Gary wins. Yeah. But other than that, I th- I think my money's actually on Paddy. Yeah. On Paddy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For reference for everybody else that has probably no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um Justin uh works in Joe. Um Michael also works at Joe. These are people that essentially just work in Joe, all yeah. making jokes about um <laughs> people that worked at Joe previously. Um, but I like that dog process. Yeah, yeah. So so for Patty, yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Um, I guess Gary can just take that one on the chin. Um, but uh yeah, no, thanks for giving your answer. <laughs> um and the next one comes from um again, just don't check any fence, these. Um, but this comes from a, a young man, a young boy, I'd like to say, uh, Matt Gill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I actually viewed uh, a Matt, uh, what, Matt's house there actually just before lockdown. I was looking for summer. I never met him before. So I feel like I can, can joke about him now. He'll probably be like, who the fuck is he trying to take this out of? Um, no, for me, it's now. It's fine. Um, but um, this one kind of confused me now. Which was your favorite pint on the tour to Arthur or tour? Ah, okay. So can you actually give a bit of reference to this? Because 
I'm a bit confused now. Um, this one caught me off guard. Yeah, so the tour to Arthur was, uh, I don't know, just some random weekend with myself and some guys from work decided to go to all the good pubs on Guinness Advisor, which is like, I think it's a Facebook group or a page that tells you where the Guinness is and rates Guinness. So we just did a pub crawl. Um, yeah, we, we we went all over the place. We went all over Dublin for that. Like we started off in Gravediggers, which is Glasnevin. And then we went all the way up to like Patter Browns and then through city centre, the Long Hall, Mary's, all those different places. Um, best points, probably Gravediggers, um, which it just very good Guinness. Um, just as Guinness should be it's amazing down there so yeah that's what I would say to Matt I feel like you're going to get some death threats for not um, putting in Petter Browns there I know there's some uh, fierce loyals that probably listen to this podcast <laughs> that um, Petter Browns would be the, the, their go-to that they're die for if you will um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean thank you so much I think uh, that's actually all the pressing questions that I got in um, <laughs> through Instagram <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I'm glad I got the opportunity to ask them because um, now, I, now I know a little bit more um, who who'd win in a fight and uh, yeah. where to go for go for the best getters now. So I mean that's my that's my bucket list ticked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but here um, I've probably you know talked your ear off um, enough for one evening. Um, I just like to say thank you so much, uh, Michael, for coming on to interviews. It's Honestly, was um like I've really enjoyed this. I didn't get to chat to you. I think the first time I met you that well, and I yeah. was quite quite quick down Dublin. So I'm glad that we've had this experience, even though it is a bit weird that this is how I tend to meet people now is literally through talking on the computer on yeah, yeah, and like in my bedroom. It's a, it's a bit of a weird scenario, but I'm working with it. I'm working with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if people would maybe if they haven't followed you that or they want to get in touch and they want to find out more about you, where can they, um, what's your handles, anything that you'd like to plug? I mean, yeah, here's, here's I, me saying I'm this. Just yeah. on, I'm just on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I am on Facebook. I don't use it that much. I'm on TikTok. I think I'm on Snapchat as well. But I, I've cornered the market in terms of usernames. I am Big Dirty Fry on all of those, which is great. So kind of, you know, there's a brand consistency there with, with Michael Fry. So... <laughs> I just I, I I love some of those usernames that like you know people are almost it's like those um really old email addresses where it's like you're going into interviews it's like so you're you know sexy gal one two three yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's what really it's like coming into professional set and be like yeah you can follow me on uh big dirty fry uh. yeah. <laughs> but I mean I iconic I mean if you were if you didn't do it somebody else would so you've cornered the market as you said um but thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and um i can't wait to see where you go from here um but yeah i'll let you go thank you so much for coming on to the podcast michael thanks very much for having me on and i'll see you later all right okay see you later (laughs) thank you so much for joining us for another episode of finterviews if you'd like to support the podcast please give us a like share subscribe And follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Finterviews underscore podcast and at Finterviews pod. Let me know who you would like to hear me interview next. And until next time, thanks for listening. I'll see you later. Bye.